This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're finishing up our sermon series called The One, and this sermon series has focused on Luke chapter 15 and 16, the parables of Jesus, all about value of the one person. And so we looked at uh, the, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, last week the, the shrewd manager, and now the last parable, the rich man and poor Lazarus from Luke chapter 16. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, then they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, open our eyes to see the reality. Help us to see what's temporal and passing and what's eternal and valuable. And then help us to use what's temporary to leverage for the eternal. Lord God, I pray that you would be with me in this message, that you would speak through it, and that nothing that I'm doing would be a stumbling block for those who hear it. In your name we pray. Amen. Some things that I purchased in 2019 have no value in 2020. Like those plane tickets I I bought to San Antonio for a ministry retreat that was supposed to take place in in April 2020. I purchased those tickets in 2019, but by the time the, the ministry retreat came up, those tickets were completely valueless. They had no value. How about you? Is there anything that you purchased in 2019 that has no value in 2020? Jesus says something similar about this age and the age to come. There are some things in this present age that have some temporary value, 
but then in the age to come will have no value at all. The problem that we have is sometimes we treat the temporary things as eternal and we give them eternal importance and we cling our hearts to them when they're perishing. And if we cling to those things that are perishing, we'll perish with them. We're continuing our sermon series called The One, and it's all about figuring out what's really valuable and what's eternally valuable are human beings. So human beings, the loss, that one person God has put in your life, that is the most valuable thing in the world. And, and we were looking at, especially Luke chapter 16, last week and this week, last week, Pastor Bill introduced us to one of Jesus' strangest parables he's ever told, the parable of the shrewd manager. Do you remember what that parable was all about? In that parable, Jesus says there was this certain rich man who had this manager who was accused of of squandering his master's wealth. And so he was going to get fired. And so this manager said, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut some deals with with some of our, our, our accounts so that when I lose my job, they'll welcome me into their businesses. I'm going to use the time that I uh, I have left to, to make all these deals so that when it's over, I'll be welcomed by these people. And Jesus said we can learn something from that kind of ambition. Not from the dishonesty, but from the shrewdness, from the ambition. In fact, Jesus said it this way, for the people of this world, like that shrewd manager, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. In other words, sometimes the people of the world who are working for a temporary kingdom, a temporary business, something that's going to perish, they have more ambition and more wisdom than Christians who have an eternal kingdom to work for. And so Jesus is saying we can learn things from the people of this world. We can learn things from Mark Cuban and, and Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and the politicians and all these people who work so hard to build an earthly business, an earthly kingdom. We can learn from their ambition, from their drive and imitate that as we try to build an eternal kingdom. In fact, Jesus makes this pretty shocking application. He says, I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So use this temporary thing, money, to have an eternal impact. Use this temporary thing of money to make eternal friendships. Don't do it in a dishonest way, but but use it, leverage it. Leverage this temporary thing to have an eternal impact. Then Jesus goes on to talk a little bit more about money. He calls money a very little thing because it's temporary. It's passing away. He says this, whoever can be trusted with very little, the very little thing and temporary thing of earthly wealth can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So God doesn't want us to be dishonest. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, Who will trust you with true, eternal riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So Jesus says, if you are 
Um, if, you, if you are faithful in this temporary thing of earthly wealth, you're, you're faithful in using it to leverage it for the kingdom, Jesus will have you manage eternal riches, true riches in the world to come. And then Jesus says something that, that might shock us. It seems a little bit out of context. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So what is Jesus saying there? Well, he's saying money is a good thing. It's a good servant. It's a good tool, but it can't be your master. Use money. Don't love money. You know, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And so money is a good tool. Leverage it, it's, but it's temporal. And, and we can love money too much. When you take a good thing and make it an ultimate thing, it becomes an idol. Money is perishing. And if you cling your heart to what's perishing, you will perish with it. Now, as Jesus is teaching on that, he's teaching the, the, this group of new Christians, this group of disciples who used to be tax collectors and prostitutes, and he's trying to teach them how now as Christians, how to use their money. And as he's teaching his new disciples, there's a group of, of religious people listening in on his conversation. The, the Pharisees are always trying to, these religious people always seem to be around kind of fact-checking Jesus, trying to catch him in what he's saying. And so as Jesus is, is talking, it says, the Pharisees, these religious elite who loved money, heard all this, and we're sneering at Jesus. We've heard this before. The Pharisees, uh, you've heard a couple weeks ago when Jesus was, was eating with those sinners, they were grumbling because Jesus welcomed sinners and ate with them. And now Jesus sees that they're sneering at him because he's talking about money and how little value it, uh, it has. It doesn't have eternal significance. But they loved money. These religious elite would use people, use their position, use their authority in the community as Pharisees, as religious elite. They leveraged all that to make more money for themselves. And so Jesus is calling them out. He calls them out and he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. You justify using people to gain money and wealth and prestige for yourself and you try to twist the scriptures to justify that. But what you value so highly, you value money above all else? Jesus says, well, that kind of trust is detestable in God's sight. And I don't think he's just speaking to those religious elite. I think he's speaking to all of us. Pastor Bill was listening to a podcast a little while ago from some uh, church consultants. And as they were surveying the Christian church in the United States, they, they, they came to see this, that when the pandemic hit, the Christian church in the United States, most Christian churches, they were really quick to figure out the technology to do online giving. When people couldn't show up in the building, they figured out how to to, to still get offerings digitally. But what we didn't figure out as a Christian church in the United States, all the Christian churches, we weren't so quick to figure out how to evangelize digitally. 
kind of shows us where our heart is. And I don't think this is just Christian churches and organizations out there. Think about your own heart. As the crisis and pandemics and all these things keep hitting us, are we more concerned about keeping our own security and wealth and taking care of ourselves than about the eternal destiny of our neighbor? Now, maybe we we can explain that away and say, oh, that's not my kind of problem. And the Pharisees were trying to justify themselves. So what Jesus did is super wise. He tells them a story. He tells stories and stories have a way of kind of blindsiding you. Stories have a way of getting under your skin. Stories have a way of dropping your defenses to get our attention. And this story that Jesus is going to tell is supposed to make us feel a little uncomfortable. And so if you feel a little uncomfortable, Jesus is, is doing that on purpose. And so here's the story. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And so we're supposed to look at this rich man and think, wow, that's somebody I want to be like, right? Look at, he's, he's dressed in purple and fine linen. He lived in luxury every day. He must have been really wise. He must be really hardworking. Look at how blessed he is by God. But at his gate, there's this beggar named Lazarus. And, and Lazarus just wishes that the rich man would let him eat the crumbs that would fall from his table. But he didn't let him do anything. He didn't serve him at all. The only pity this beggar gets is from the dogs. Jesus goes on. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, I have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in cool in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Now, this is a parable. And so Jesus is not trying to teach us all the, all the fine details about heaven and hell. Really, the Bible talks a lot more about the resurrection, how God is going to renew this world on the last day. Our bodies will be raised and heaven is going to come down to earth. That's a lot more um, the facts about what we're waiting for. This is a parable. It's supposed to teach us things symbolically. And so... Lazarus, he's, he dies, and it doesn't talk any at all about his burial, but he gets carried first class to Abraham's side. And Abraham is a, this is a symbolic person. This person, uh, Abraham was called the father of all believers. He was to bring blessing to all nations. And so Abraham is a symbolic figure of someone of blessing, of honor, of stature. And although he, Nobody knew Lazarus' name. God knew Lazarus' name, and he was now in a place of honor. But what happened to the rich man? The rich man died, and he was buried. He had a burial, probably a well-attended funeral. Everybody was speaking well about this rich man. But then he was in hell. And now he's the beggar, and he's calling out for pity, and he's longing to eat what falls from Lazarus' table. He's longing for just a, a dip of cool water to cool his tongue. He's, he's longing, he's asking for pity, the pity that Lazarus wanted, but now it's too late. 
But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Again, don't... All these details are not supposed to be teaching us about, um, you know, if you're, if you're rich, then you go to hell, or you're poor, you go to heaven, or, or any of those kind of things. It's a symbolic story. And what we're supposed to feel is the uneasiness of the eternal destiny of this rich man. It's too late for the rich man. His time was up. He had died, and, and now there was no second chances there's a chasm. It's a symbolic idea that there's no way to, to change things once time is over. Are you feeling a little uneasy? You're supposed to. You feel a little pit in your stomach? You're supposed to. That's what Jesus is trying to do. It's, in fact, it's the same kind of feelings that, that you have when you, you watch or read Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Do you know that? A story of Scrooge? Where, where Scrooge is this... This business owner who uses all the people in his life, his employees, his business partners, all of his clients, he uses all of them to gain money for himself. That is his God. And so on Christmas Eve night, he's visited by Jacob Marley, his old business partner. The ghost of Jacob Marley comes to him and he's chained because of all of his dishonest dealings and all of his greed, he's, he's paying for all of those sins now. He's chained as a ghost. And he tells Scrooge that you are going to be visited by three visitors. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. And that's what happens. The ghost of Christmas past takes Scrooge to his, his youth, where in his youth, Scrooge rejected the love of his fiancée so that he could gain more money for himself. And then the ghost of Christmas present shows how he rejected the invitation of his family for the Christmas dinner to make more money for himself. And he rejected the needs of his employee, Bob Cratchit, and their, their ill son, Tiny Tim, so that he could take from Bob Cratchit everything he could squeeze out of him for himself. And finally, the ghost of Christmas future takes Scrooge to his funeral, where nobody really wants to be there. They're just there to make sure he's dead. And then he goes to his abandoned gravesite where nobody's there. And he starts to call out, I repent. I, I, I'm sorry, I screwed it all up. And then he asks the ghost of Christmas future, are you showing me these things because they must take place or because they might take place? And that's the question that, that, that Jesus is trying to lead us to ask also. Is Jesus showing us the story of the rich man because that's our destiny for our greed, that we have to follow the example of the rich man? Or just it's a warning that we might follow him? Here's the good news. It's not too late. It's not too late for us to, to not follow the example of the rich man, to not live for ourselves, to not use people to gain our own pleasure, our own independence, our own control, our own wealth. It's not too late. So what do we do? Well, well the, the ending of the parable tells us what to do. 
The rich man makes one last plea. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. It was too late for the rich man because he had no use for Moses and the prophets. Another way of saying God's word. He thought it had no power to actually change hearts. But it's not too late for you and me. Let's go back to Moses and the prophets, to the gospels, to the, to the message of God's word so that we would see the spiritual reality of our greed, of our selfishness, of all those missed opportunities when we could have used our money to help others, but we thought more about ourselves. Let's turn and repent. And here's the good news. When we go back to Moses and the prophets, we go back to God's word, we also find something else. We find that Jesus finds you eternally valuable. He finds you so valuable that he paid for your eternity with his own blood. That's how valuable you are to him. And so you are completely forgiven. You know, we look back in our life, we think about all the times that we misused our money, where they could have had a kingdom impact, but we were so focused on ourselves. And we wish we could go back and we could fix all of our past. But you know what? You don't have to because Jesus did for you. He lived for you, died for you, rose for you, paid the debt for you. And here's the good news. You don't need to live in that sin anymore. Today's a new day. What Jesus is trying to teach us in Luke chapter 16 is to avoid either of the extremes when it comes to money. Let's not despise money as if it has no value or importance. See its temporal value, but don't have such a high value that we give our trust to it, our heart to it. Because if we cling our heart to something that's perishing, we'll perish with it. So here's what you're supposed to learn from all of this. Both those parables, the parable of the shrewd manager and the parable of the rich man, poor Lazarus, all comes to this idea. Use wealth to make eternal friends. Don't use friends to make temporary wealth. Use something temporary, wealth, money, influence. Use that temporary thing to make eternal friendships. But don't use your connections, your friends. Don't use human beings for your own glory, for your own wealth, for your own advancement. That's backwards. I was trying to think about how to apply this, and I didn't think I did a very good job last night when I preached this message. So after dinner, I was trying to ask my kids what they thought. How do you apply this? And so my youngest daughter, Annie, says, all right, I think what you're trying to say is that I shouldn't make friends with somebody who makes a lot of money so that they would buy me the new Barbie dream house that's $180. She even knew the cost of it. And I said, you're right. Don't use your friends as a way to get stuff for yourself. And then Shelby, uh, my oldest, piped in and she says, but I should use my money to buy that Frappuccino from Starbucks for my friend to build that kind of friendship and, and joy. And I said, that's right. Right? Use those temporary things to build trust and bonds and, and give gifts. Use that temporary thing that's going to be gone tomorrow to have an eternal impact. 
So can I challenge you to do that? In fact, I want to not only challenge you, let's have some fun with this. Uh, go, go put your life out on the line a little bit. Try this out and then maybe email me. We won't put it up on social media or anything. Like that. Just email me or text me how it goes. So that one person in your life, maybe your neighbor who's struggling right now in the middle of the pandemic, maybe drop them off a, a gift card from Pick and Save. Or maybe they're just having a downtime. They're really struggling with things that are going on. You know, buy them a bouquet of flowers. Maybe take that friend out and, and yeah, pay, buy them that, that Starbucks Frappuccino, right? Find a way to bless people. Use this temporary time we have with this temporary impact, or the, our, our time, talents, and treasures, our temporary wealth that's going to be here today, gone tomorrow. Use it today to leverage it for eternity. Let's have some fun with this. It's a tool. It's a tool for eternity. That's what Scrooge found out. Do you remember how the story ends? He's crying out, I repent, I repent, give me more time. And he's shouting out. And the next scene, he wakes up on Christmas morning and he recognizes that it's a new day. And he doesn't have to live like he did before. That he has another chance to now use money not as a means for himself, but as a tool to bless other people. And so he goes and finds his, his maid and he, he starts dancing with her and she thinks he's out of his mind. He says, no, I'm finally in my right mind. And he gives her a raise and blesses her. And then he goes, finds um, a young boy and says, go to the, the butcher and, and find the biggest turkey you can find and send it to Bob Cratchit's house and bless them. And he gives him a raise and he takes care of Tiny Tim. He found that now his money was a temporary tool to have an eternal impact. I think of anything this pandemic has taught us is how value can change overnight. Something that was so valuable yesterday, tomorrow might have no value whatsoever. And that's what Jesus tells us about wealth and money and our time right now. We only have a little bit of time on this earth and we should leverage these temporary things to have an eternal impact. Let's leverage temporary wealth to make eternal friendships. Or as Jesus himself said, use worldly wealth to gain friends so that when it's gone, and it will be gone, you'll be welcomed by them into eternal dwellings. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, help us to see how fleeting this life really is and how of little eternal significance money has so that we can use it properly. Let's have some fun with this, Lord. Put people in our lives today that need you and then help us to use our, our money, our influence, our time, our talents, everything we have to reach the one, the one that you love, the one that's in our family, the one that's in our neighborhood, the one that's in front of us on the checkout aisle, that we could bless them with your kingdom. Lord God, lead us to leverage what's temporary to have an eternal impact. And when you allow us to do this, when you empower us to do this, we'll give you all the glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.